At a time of deep division in today's society, we must come together for humanity's sake. On Can We Talk 360, we strive to stimulate an authentic conversation on issues that affect all of us in an environment of tolerance. I'm Eugene Pettis, attorney and community servant. Let's discover how there is strength in our differences and an abundance of possibilities when we stand together as one humanity. Welcome to Can We Talk 360, Motivational Moment. Today I want to discuss with you the disparities in healthcare. We all have heard about studies addressing the disparity of quality and the availability of care in our healthcare system. Perhaps during the last couple of years in the midst of COVID, we have seen a clearer picture of how these disparities of race, ethnic minorities, and gender had a direct correlation in the number of serious injuries and death so many of our communities had. There's no question we have a healthcare disparity problem in the United States centered around race, ethnicity, and gender. The statistics tell that story. The research tells that story. And still, in my opinion, we do not have any serious efforts addressing the problems. The statistics can't be denied. In looking at some of our reliable uh, resources here in the United States, according to the National Center for Health Statistics, just for a simple uh, uh, sample, the prevalence of diagnosed diabetes was 12.3% for Hispanics, 10.1% for Blacks, and 7.4% for non-Hispanic white adults. High blood pressure, another common factor in our healthcare system, is more common in Black adults, 56%, than in white adults, 48%. Asian adults, 46%, and Hispanics, uh, adults down to 39%. Another area of breast cancer among women of ages 50 to 74. 5.5% of women within that age group have been told that they had breast cancer. Non-Hispanic white women are among the most likely to have been told that they had breast cancer at 6.1, compared with Hispanic women at 3.1, and black women at 4.5. With regard to gender disparities, there have been countless studies, I've reviewed them and many of you have reviewed them, that have concluded that men are diagnosed earlier than women in many clinical healthcare areas, and the gap would likely extend further for women of color. We know that the disparity that particular disparity is not due to women being less attentive to their health care. The fact of the matter is they're more attentive than us men when it comes to health care. However, medicine often does not recognize how different diseases and disorders are experienced and presented differently between men and women. Gender can have a significant impact, according to many experts, on our health care and well-being. This issue is often overlooked even within medical education and training. Within my firm's medical malpractice cases, we have handled countless cases where 
the medical outcome, unfortunately, was impacted by racial or ethnic background and gender of the individual. Let's start with the case of an 18-year-old uh, young lady who was the mother of a 10-month-old baby. She went to the emergency room reporting a headache for the past two days, blurred vision, intermittent right shoulder and back pain. She was told by the ER physician that she had, uh, it was a result of hypertension. Now she had never had any ongoing hypertension problems. The next day she returned on the second occasion. And again, they, what they do is called anchored. They anchored in the wrong diagnosis and the next doctor follows that same uh, uh, diagnosis. Again, missing what the problem was and ignoring the deterioration in her mental state and her overall well-being. She comes back a third time within four days and she's even worse symptomatology-wise and they continue to talk about the, the hypertension uh, but instead of giving her a medical assessment, they admit her into the psych unit. A psych unit that was ill-prepared uh, to address what her medical condition was. And it wasn't until she had a cardiac arrest that they finally called in a consultant, a neurologist, to study why is she having this neurological deterioration. And unfortunately for her, it was too late to save her life. That's a death that should not have happened. Another case that comes to mind is that of a veteran registered nurse who had a history of sickle cell anemia uh, and went to the emergency room multiple times without receiving appropriate response. Sickle cell anemia is a condition that is most prevalent in African Americans. This woman knew what her sickle cell crisis felt like because she had experienced them in the past. Notably, her daughter is also a physician assistant, so knowledgeable individuals. It took multiple visits to convince the emergency room physicians that she was in a hematological crisis and needed IV fluids. By the time someone listened to the family that she was in crisis and needed fluids, they found her blood was 70% sickled and obstructing her flow, and she unfortunately died. During one of those earlier visits this woman had to the ER, something happened that is a part of stereotyping, if you will, of certain citizens of our communities. The daughter recalls the doctor suggesting that her discomfort was not that of sickle cell crisis, but that she was drug-seeking. This is a professional nurse of decades. How could this happen? How is it possible for an educated veteran nurse to not be heard or believed? Is it lack of training on a broader scale covering the unique presentations of medical problems between genders and racial and ethnic groups? Is it allowing stereotypes to guide and limit the thoroughness of healthcare? If healthcare providers would treat patients and their symptoms thoroughly and timely, these types of incidents 
should not occur. Sensitive deaths and injuries would not follow. How do we combat these issues? How do we avoid these inexcusable incidents of medical negligence, medical malpractice from occurring? What is it that our listeners to this podcast can do to avoid this happening to you or a family member? Let's discuss some best practices to avoid, or at least at a minimum, minimize the risk of being a victim of medical negligence. First, you need an advocate. Outside of a routine visit, if you're going to get results from a series of diagnostic tests or having a conference with your doctor regarding future care that's needed, you need someone besides yourself that can be a second set of ears and assist in asking pertinent questions and being able to recall the information that was shared by the healthcare provider. I can tell you from my own experiences, when you're facing a serious life-threatening disease, the information and the diagnosis is very difficult to retain. You're dealing with so many types of emotions until you forget some important data. But if there's someone else with you, then between the two of you, you can recall the most pertinent points. There comes a certain point, both age and fragility, that having an advocate is mandatory. The elderly population sometimes don't remember critical medical history, and therefore the doctor's analysis may be flawed due to lack of information. Even while you your loved one, or a close friend is in the hospital, you still need someone as an advocate to be engaged in your care, to be knowledgeable of your history. I've seen this with my own family members as well as my own care. Sometimes the patient is simply too sick or mentally or physically exhausted to stay on top of the medication orders or the timeliness of tests that have been ordered. An educated and alert advocate could help avoid mishaps in your health care while hospitalized. Secondly, it's important to educate yourself on your condition. One of the benefits of the internet is that we have search engines that is instantly available of quality, peer-reviewed medical information. Note that I said peer-reviewed. That is a report or study that has been evaluated by one or more people with similar competence as the providers uh, of the work. It functions as a form of self-regulation by qualified members of the profession. So you can, in other words, rely on peer-reviewed studies that are readily available on the internet. If you have been given a diagnosis or even a suspicion of your condition, it's important that you educate yourself on what the condition entails. What are the symptoms? What are my treatment options? What are the outcomes and the risks? Those types of questions. And while we rely on training and expertise of our healthcare providers, we play a critical role in our own healthcare. And the only way that we can be at our best is that we put the time in to understand what's going on with our bodies. The third tip is speak up and ask questions. 
It's imperative that if we don't understand what the doctor is telling us, then we seek clarification. Tell your doctor to speak layman's language. That is, use words that everyday persons can understand so that you will know what the doctor is talking about. Do not leave a doctor's appointment without understanding the status of your condition and your health. Even if you were in the hospital and your doctor or other consultants are coming in and assessing you, still do the same thing. Make inquiries of what's happening, what their impressions are, so that you will understand and be informed, which enhances your outcome. Fourth, don't delay in attending to your health. We all have either experienced it personally or know someone in our family or close friends who, that despite doing everything we could as a patient, you sometimes there are mistakes with the healthcare team that can cause catastrophic injuries or death. If you are suspicious as to the timing or circumstances of a medical mishap, then you should get a second opinion or seek advice from an experienced medical malpractice lawyer. While I believe every healthcare provider desires to be helpful, mistakes happen. And when such mistakes cause harm to another, that should not be ignored. Medical doctors have an oath to perform at or above the standard of care and to do it in an ethical fashion. Don't accept anything less. And lastly, trust your instincts. You know your body better than anyone, at least to the extent that, of what normal feels like. You know how your normal feels. If something does not feel normal it, and it persists over a matter of days, do not delay in getting medical evaluation. One of the most critical elements of surviving the most serious medical conditions we have in society is addressing it in a timely fashion. Delays can lead to unnecessary permanent injury and even death. Ignoring it will not make it go away. In my own case, when I was uh, shared with you all uh, during my healing journey of 2021 with my lymphoma cancer, I received a sensation, fleeting sensation into my leg and, while exercising. And I felt it the first time and a week or so later, I felt it a second time. By late January, I had a diagnosis of my stage four lymphoma. My doctor told me that I had one to two months before I would have been in serious trouble. Just imagine how easily it would have been to let my schedule dominate my response to it and say, I'll get to it later. Sometimes we don't have later. Some of you may already have an experience where something went wrong in, the, in your care or the care of someone you care about. If it's too late to avoid the harm due to medical malpractice and you or a loved one is convinced that something went wrong, you should seek counsel of a lawyer that you trust. My firm has had many, many cases where our clients brought suspicions 
that they had about their care, and it was proven true. Through our extensive legal experience, our medical team's investigations, and team of experts, we have uncovered the cause of injuries and deaths resulting from medical mishaps. So I remind you, we must get back to making and attending to our doctor's appointments. It can be a matter of life or death. Thank you so much for joining me in this motivational moment. The law firm of Hallitzer, Pettis & Schwamm is a proud sponsor of the Can We Talk 360 podcast. Our firm handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, catastrophic personal injury litigation, and workers' compensation matters. We pride ourselves in being advocates for justice on behalf of those who have been seriously injured. For decades, we've taken the lead in making your case our priority. It's who we are. It's who we'll always be. Hallitzer, Pettis & Schwamm. Serious injuries, proven results. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Can We Talk 360? I sincerely hope that you were inspired to seize this moment in time and take real action towards change. Remember, all change begins with a conversation. Be sure to tune in every month for more fascinating discussions and motivational food for the soul. Please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Can We Talk 360 and visit us on the web at www.canwetalk.com. 360.com.